lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV. Radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with a returning and victorious Todd Erzin after a successful day at the Iowa State track meet with uh, with the daughter. Aaron is here with us, as is our good friend Chris Pandolfo. He'll be joining us here momentarily for the Dace Group. Let us know what you think about what we think. It is a Feedback Friday. We'll be delving into what you think about what we think later in the program. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us, like us on Facebook, Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And again, that's D-E-A-C-E. And then look for me, Steve Dace, on MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. And can someone at Parlor, since my buddy Mark Meckler is not the CEO over there anymore, can somebody at Parlor do something about the fact I have to log in, re-log in every time on every device? Can we? I know it's a first world problem, yo, okay? But this is approaching useless Chinese face diaper level of animosity here. You know, you know, my my bank does that to me, but it's my bank. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like like literally if I don't if I post something on Parler and then don't post for an hour, I have to re-log in and get another verification code on my phone. This is this has gone on all week long, three or four times. I know some of you right now are like for reals. Sadly, this is the caliber of human being I am. I'm just going to own that and just be upfront about it. It's annoying me. Somebody do something about it, please. True news. It is. I'm just, frankly, this pathetic. I mean, let's just throw that out there. Um, what else? Oh, I mentioned a feedback Friday. Uh, why is Chris Pandolfo here? Because it is time for the day screw. Your weekly look at the week that was begins with issue one. Bleep, Lord Nefarious says. The hips on the drag can go swish, swish, swish. If you want to follow the science, then there are times you need to still wear the mask. Why? Because we're not protected 100% from COVID. So even if you have your vaccine, it's you can still get it. Why did you decide to go against the CDC guidance and, and keep the indoor mask mandates in place for fully vaccinated people? We're just not ready yet. I am vaccinated um, and I'm a bit skeptical of their decision. Because I feel like the coronavirus doesn't go away after the CDC says it's okay. We have a responsibility to make sure of that the House of the Representatives Chamber is not a Petri dish. I am now much more comfortable in, in people seeing me indoors without a mask. I mean, I thought it was a little premature, the CDC guideline. Before the CDC made the recommendation change, I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals. I don't want to get other people like to think that it's okay not to wear their mask if they aren't vaccinated. I don't want it to make it look normal that you cannot wear your mask. I feel like people still should wear their mask. The shoulders on the drag thing go shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. I don't care if you're vaccinated, you little dick. Okay. I don't want to get sick and die. Okay. 
There's other people you can infect just because you're vaccinated. You know what? You're not a special person around here. You should hear about how everybody talks about you. You're I know a how jerk. Talk to me. I don't care how people You're talk a about jerk. You. Okay. And you need to have respect for other people in your life. I do. You're not a big man on campus. If we are vaccinated, I don't think the like it's all happening so fast. Are you aware of any fully vaccinated individual who has died of COVID-19. We are aware of 223 as of May 10th. Not all of those 223 cases who had COVID actually died of COVID. They may have had mild disease, but died, for example, of a heart attack. I think there should be some kind, some way where you can see if others have been vaccinated or not. There are breakthrough infections with vaccinated people. Almost always the people are asymptomatic. And the level of virus is so low, it makes it extremely unlikely, not impossible, but very, very low likelihood that they're going to transmit it. Well, we're doing it because it's a professional look. Ultimately, those who are not vaccinated will end up paying the price. Here's our big finish. As a woman of color, um, as a, a lesbian, it's important to me that diversity is put front and center. Mayor Lori Lightfoot defending her most unusual decision to only invite black and brown journalists to her office for one-on-one -on -one interviews. You are, why well, you're a really dull class. I mean, come on, man. First question, Chris is the guest. You get to go first. What was the best of the worst this week? Uh, okay, so this week, <laughs> right? Uh, that was a maskful, is what yeah, that yeah. was. Yes, it was a maskful. Uh, so I think it's Dr. Fauci uh, proving that he uh, more or less lied to Rand Paul in Congress two months ago mm -hmm. when uh, Rand Paul was asking him, "Look, man, uh, if we're vaccinated, we're immune, right? That's what the vaccine science says. So why should vaccinated people need to wear masks? Isn't it just theater that I'm vaccinated and you're vaccinated, and we're both being told we need to wear masks?" And Fauci was like, "Oh no, 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 no! It's not theater. I totally disagree with you." And then two months later, literally to the day this Monday, two months later from that Senate hearing, Fauci says, yeah, I'm much more comfortable taking the mask off now because I feel like I'm not sending mixed signals anymore. So it was theater, mm -hmm. right? And what's the consequence of the theater? The consequence of the theater is everybody still thinks they need to wear masks, even if they've been vaccinated. The consequence of that theater is nobody actually believes in vaccine science. So congratulations, Dr. Fauci and all the health experts at the CDC and in the federal government. You've made Americans terrified of a virus that can't hurt them if they get vaccinated. And you're delaying a return to normal life because of your stupid precautions and precautionary cautious approach to essentially lying to people about what they can do that's safe and what they can't do that's safe. It, just a great job all around. And, uh, that remind that prompts me. I want to make sure you guys go go in before I speak. But remind me when we get to the end of this. I want to address the whole asymptomatic spread thing post vaccination. If you get infected, okay. I want to address that. Todd, go ahead. Aaron, I felt that that was a love letter just to me. The craftsmanship. It's the, always a love letter just for you, Todd. The way it was laid out. Well, th <clears throat> thank you. But this one. I, because before we ever heard he had of, you at shimmy oh yes yes this is it that's it before yeah. we ever heard of a covid i beat this thing like a dead horse i didn't know what was coming but i said once we believe that that is the price of freedom it it, it wasn't just the left it was the brightest lights of conservatism david french at all 
saying the same thing. This is the price of freedom. Once you believe that, then that chain of events that Aaron laid out after that was mostly about COVID. Of course that was going to happen. This is the math of the universe. The science of the universe. You believed the dumbest thing possible before COVID came along and touched any of our lives. So dumb times dumb is going to equal more dumb. Thank you for that, Aaron. So like we've been pointing out, what you're saying is COVID is not an outlier. No. COVID didn't break anything. It no. is a harvest. Yes. It's a harvest of conditioning. COVID took, took, therefore took advantage of a, of a seed, of a crop that had long been planted. This just is the full blooming of it, the harvest of it later after it's been planted. Yes, because for the last year... Because you and I and Aaron and others, so look at what happened to Scott Atlas. We had a different take from the CDC. Mm-hmm. We we needed to be memory hold at best. Every, everything it, Scott Atlas took heat for has all been confirmed absolutely. and proven to be true. Every last piece but, of data. But yeah. now, these people get to form a religion about being against what the CDC says. Mm-hmm. This is because they're all as crazy as that drag queen. That's exactly right. Yes. Aaron. Speaking of dumb times dumb equals dumb, Todd, uh, which is dumber? Believing that uh, a being with a penis can be a woman or believing that universities are right-wing institutions as a writer at Teen Vogue at Teen Vogue earnestly tried to make the case for this week? Which is dumber, Todd? Yes. I'll I'll take that as an answer. I think the the worst of the worst this week, it has to be that woman. It was just a small snippet. Woman talking about how she's vaccinated, still wears her mask outside. And did you catch what she said? I, 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 this is just happening so fast. That same woman gave away her way of living like overnight. That. Yes. Now you want to take away the masks. Uh, it's just happening too fast. You were made to be ruled. You were made to be ruled. That woman was made to be ruled. And she likes it. She likes it. She wants some more of it. Talking about laws of the universe, Todd. Amen. Amen to all of that. You guys crushed that. So the asymptomatic spread thing, I, I just want to make sure we don't we don't communicate a canard in exposing one. Remember last year when the CDC came out with the admission, I think it was last August, came out with the admission that 6% of those who had died with COVID had no other comorbidity, no pre-existing yeah. condition, right? Right. And then a bunch of conservative media ran with the headline that said only 6% of deaths are with COVID are legit. That's that's not what that means. And we corrected this at the time. All right. Now, now it's it, on its face, it is it is a it is a damning of the way we have kept the data and justified locking us down. And it exposes a lie. It does, but we do not need to then foster another one. The lie it exposes is good enough, right? We don't have to respond with a fallacy in order to expose the one that they're admitting to. What, it, what, it's, what it's saying is that for the healthy, the virus is virtually no risk whatsoever, period. For those who have a collected group of comorbidities, by the way, the average death with COVID had four comorbidities four four okay so if 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 you're relatively healthy and 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 why was that a key stat that's what upset me is we we missed the opportunity to make a point with that stat the point we were trying to make all of last year is it wasn't going to work 
to be the to to try quarantining healthy people for the first time, and it would have the opposite effect. At best, it would it would just we we'd take all this socioeconomic pain for no result. At worst, it would prolong it. Right? That was yes. the argument we made all of last year, yes. and all the data pointed to that. That po- data point from CDC confirmed it. That we were getting nothing as a society from quarantining healthy people, healthy children. We were getting nothing from it. Because only 6% of, this was all being done so you wouldn't kill your grandmother. That, that didn't stop it. It did nothing. We got nothing out of it. And instead, this thing got spun into meaning that only 6% of the deaths were legit. Now, I absolutely believe they have overcounted the deaths. But they haven't overcounted 94% of them. And we spun it that way. At least some people in our industry did. And we had to correct that at the time, right? I think the same thing's kind of being done with the asymptomatic spread thing here, although it's not as egregious. We're just not explaining it well enough. Fauci is claiming that if you're vaccinated Correct. And, and, you're, and, you, and you get infected, that you would have such a low viral load that the asymptomatic spread would not be an issue. He is not claiming that asymptomatic spread is blanketly not an issue, but he is. That's not what he thinks he's claiming, but we need to understand this, okay? Because if you come back at them with that, he's if you don't understand what Fauci is where Fauci's coming from, they will come back at you. Well, you took him out of context. He's just talking about vaccinated people. The assumption is that, and this has been an assumption all along, which is not scientific, that vaccinate vaccination immunity is somehow a super duper immunity to all other immunities. And therefore, these principles don't apply unless you are vaccinated. That is simply not true. All right. Last summer, Singapore did a massive peer-reviewed study of this and found natural T-cell immunity to coronaviruses last up to 17 years. Until, until last December, how many vaccines had we ever developed for a coronavirus? Gentlemen, what's the number? Zero. Zero. Therefore, the only kind of immunity that Singapore could have studied last year was of which kind? Since natural. We, natural, because we didn't have any vaccines. We actually don't even know much about we're we're actually establishing because we rushed this so fast to get women, the woman like what Aaron pointed out in his montage, to get them back out of their homes and spending money in the economy again. We're actually studying right now in real time what the long term positives are this right now because we didn't go through some two or three year FDA normal process. We emergency authorized these. And so the real human trial and the long term benefit is actually going on as we speak. So Fauci is ma- what Fauci is claiming is that vaccination immunity is superior. Israel studied this. They studied 6.3 million people. Tel Aviv University did about a month ago. And what it found is the, the, sustainable, the sustainable vaccination immunity was very strong. 94% that you would not end up with a serious infection that would end you back in the or lend you back in the hospital. 92% that you wouldn't get reinfected at all. Those, I mean, those are impressive numbers. Uh, concur? Yes, yeah. which also reflects what we've understood about immunology for the last hundred years and most na- most yes. natural immunities to most things. But here's what they found about the natural immunity. Natural immunity, what they found is there was a 96% chance you'd never end up with a reinfection that puts you back in the, in, in the hospital and a 94% chance that you would not get reinfected, meaning that the vaccination immunity numbers were outstanding from Israel. The natural immunity numbers were even better. So even though Fauci is not specifically citing asymptomatic carriers are not going to spread or do not, as a general rule, 
have a low viral load. He is trying to tie it specifically to the vaccines. The science actually shows that is not correct and a lie. That asymptomatic spread, which was the genesis all along for why we had to do this so that you wouldn't go and kill grandma. All right. That entire canard was the big lie of the last year. But if we're going to expose Lord Farquaad, we have to we have to take him on on what he's actually saying, not project on him what we want him to say. Does that make sense? Totally. And I wanted to just clarify that. So let's get that to the exit question on a scale of one to ten, with one being how often I will get booked on Fox News until the end of time. And 10 being how many times Lindsey Graham will keep getting booked on Fox News to lie to his audience. And their audience. Uh, rate this week's level of total depravity. Aaron. Nine. Wow. A little optimism. Todd. Ten. Yeah, I thought it was a solid ten. Chris. I'd say, I'd yeah. say it was seven. Could, it could get worse. I did not see that coming. From Neither Chris. did I. I, I did in fact, not. I was startled for a moment. Wow. Okay. I'm proud of you. Let's get to issue two, The Reckoning. In the midst of the continued fallout from numerous stories unfolding over the past two weeks, it could be easy to overlook perhaps one of the biggest. The U.S. Supreme Court this week said in the coming term, they'll be taking on a case out of Mississippi stemming from its law banning baby murder after 15 weeks gestation. The case would be the biggest challenge to Roe v. Wade since 1992's Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania v. Casey. The Mississippi ban was signed into law in 2018 by former Republican Governor Phil Bryant. The only noted exception was for medical emergencies or cases in which there is a quote-unquote severe fetal abnormality. Instances of rape or incest were not considered exceptions. A federal judge in Mississippi struck down the law later that year, and the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals upheld that ruling in December 2019. But now, with not just one, not two, but three recent Republican-appointed justices, all with their shiny FedSoc seals of approval, not to mention Justices Thomas and Alito, it seems like it's now or never to finally make some serious judicial inroads in overturning Roe. So first question, and we have loosely discussed this earlier in the week, so I'm going to start with Chris again, if you guys are okay with that, because he'll have a, a unique take that no one on our show has heard yet. Let's game theory this out a little bit, Chris. Okay. If the Supreme Court rules in favor of Mississippi's abortion ban, what happens? And if it rules against it, what happens? We'll start with you. Sure. So if they rule against Roe v. Wade, you have to understand, first of all, they're not going to overturn Roe v. Wade wholesale, right? They're probably going to impose a restriction uh, on it, or they're going to limit it in some scope. They're not going to make abortion unconstitutional or anything like that. Uh, They're just, at best, it's going to be kicked down to the states, right? You have some states like New York, where I'm from originally, that have constitutional protections in their state constitutions for the right to an abortion. So in those states, uh, the right to an abortion is probably going to be protected. Uh, I don't think the Supreme Court is ever going to create something like a right to life that protects unborn innocent babies in the womb from being uh, killed by parents who don't want them. I, I don't think that's in the cards at all. So I think you're going to, at best case scenario, go state by state having uh, pro-life states like Texas or South Carolina, other states like that, impose a uh, restrictions on abortion and maybe even making them illegal and then you're going to have like abortion safe harbors in the country in states like new york and california where democrats and pro uh, pro abortion people are in charge and that's where if you want an abortion in the united states you're going to have to go travel to get that done uh if the court 
says that Mississippi's abortion ban is just straight up unconstitutional, you know, if the pro-lifers lose the case, which I think is more likely to happen, I think uh, you maybe have two votes in the Supreme Court, Thomas and maybe Barrett, I don't know, to straight up overturn Roe v. Wade. You probably have a few more to impose restrictions. I don't think there's a majority to overturn the case, but let's say that it doesn't get overturned. Um, you're, you're basically going to be in the scenario where you either have to pack the courts from the right and just impose a bunch of justices and you have, you're going to have them every single Senate hearing directly ask the abortion question, which you know I think is a losing strategy that we've tried and failed before. Or you're just going to have a scenario where abortion is legal, there's nothing we can do about it. That's the, the conservative movement's going to essentially give up. If that happens, like if the DC-based people give up on the issue because they're unwilling to challenge the courts, then you have things happen like the Republican Party splits on the issue, or you have new move a new movement to just kind of ignore court opinions, like the things that Daniel Horowitz dreams about. Uh, a minority of people in the conservative movement are going to go for that, and another minority are just going to be like, the courts have ruled, we're done, and you're going to have a split. And a split like that means in the short term, you're going to be losing to Democrats for the foreseeable future. Agree wholeheartedly with your latter analysis, most of your former, but it's the latter analysis I want to respond to you on, uh, Chris, because that is exactly why I don't believe there's much of a chance at all they're going to overturn that Mississippi bill. I, I there are you know there's there's thirty to forty percent of me that agrees with Daniel on this stuff, okay, um, and and it might be climbing um, as time goes on, um, but but I just I just don't believe. Those three figures came out of the Fed Sock movement, the conservative legal movement, with Alito and Thomas, and they're going to turn right around, and and I think they picked this bill. By the way, I think the picking of this bill, everybody is applauding the Mississippi bill, and it's a good bill, but there are several states, beginning with my own. My own state was the first to do this. My own state today, the first state to ban masking forever. Like you, you won't ever be able to do it like ever again. In Iowa, masking the children ever again in the schools, banned it forever. Right? It's, this is what happens when we spend ten years building a grassroots. We get results like this in our state. Right? I think they chose this bill as opposed to the heartbeat bills that my state began that trend with, because they were looking to make a substantive pushback and rollback of Roe without the specter of fully overturning it. A heartbeat bill, we start getting into merely days after conception at that point. Right. And if 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 the Supreme Court says that we're going to uphold these heartbeat bills, every pro-life activist who's not a sellout to the GOP is the next day going to call their Republican governor and legislature and says, well, we might just go the the next 18 days, three weeks and ban them for good. Right. So this is that I think I actually think they might have the votes to do that, frankly, but not right now. I think they have a legitimate fear of court overpacking. Or court packing, which I think is a complete talking point, fake fear. But I think this they chose this bill to essentially say we have rolled Roe v. Wade back to its original first trimester ruling. Because isn't this bill 15 weeks, I believe, right? Okay. Mississippi? Yeah. 15. I think they chose this one as opposed to all the heartbeat bills out there. So they could specifically say we restored Roe to its rightful, its rightful precedent. All right. 
and 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 it will be a, it will be a claim it will be claimed as a great victory which it will be it'll be the first substantive pushback on Roe it essentially will be what Casey tried to do in 1992 it's a re-airing of that and that'll be a big win but it won't cause the massive mandatory fallout everywhere because it still puts Democrats in a position of, of wanting to uh, abort basically developed children in the womb. After 15 weeks, that's why I think there's little chance, Chris, that they're going to overturn the Mississippi bill. I think this one was profiled, selected specifically. It takes four justices to provide writ or standing. I think they know they have a fifth vote, and that's why I think they chose this bill specifically to make a calculated um, uh, nose punch on Roe without necessarily mortally wounding it. What are your thoughts? I mean, I can see that happening. I'm just like. At this point, anything that's related to the Supreme Court and the pro-life issue, I'm very cynical. <laughs> well, I think I just gave you a pretty yeah. cynical analysis, but I don't blame you yeah. for your... I mean, I basically am saying the Supreme Court, the, these justices got together and game-theoried this out themselves for a year in advance. All right? So that's pretty cynical. But if you want to go more cynical than that, Chris, that only just tells me you've been paying attention for the last 10 minutes of America, and I'm down to clown. I'm okay with that. Go for it, man. Cynic away, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I hope that's the case at the minimum. You know, we should be pushing for a, pro, a pushback on Roe. Um, you know, if that happens, where we go from there is, well, now we have to find a new, like the whole legal fight restarts, mm-hmm. right? Because now we're going to go after those heartbeat bills and try to get that to the Supreme Court. And you're going to have to fight Joe Biden's judicial nominees. And it's just going to, that, that's actually maybe the best case for the pro-life industry in D.C., mm-hmm. which is raising money for all mm-hmm. these fights. And they need this yep. issue their industry is over if the court overturns the Mississippi law. Their industry is over. FedSoc industry, that in, the conservative legal industry is over. I just don't believe they're going to blow those up. I just don't. But go if, ahead. If they do, my only prediction will be that Clarence Thomas will write the most glorious dissent in the history of the Supreme Court. My, my other prediction will be Daniel Horowitz will, will disappear. Because he'll feel as if his services are no longer needed. He's just going to move out there to that front sight range in Nevada permanently with his family. And because every conservative organizational canard is destroyed. Every shibboleth is gone. And it's a total free-for-all, which is would, what he wants. I would love Aaron. to see Daniel Horowitz up every morning, first thing, lock and load, baby. <laughs> with, his, with like a Marlboro off the side of the corner exactly. of his mouth. All right. Um, yes. Yeah. I think all the analysis, I, I really can't add a whole lot. I, I would say this. Bottom line, best case scenario, if they rule to uphold the Mississippi ban on baby killing after 15 weeks, I believe within five, it could be as soon, it could be a lot longer, being that this is the conservative movement and the pro-life fight has been going on since well before I was born. Within five to ten years, you could see half of the country essentially essentially not allow abortions. Mm -hmm. Ten states right now already have trigger laws in place, meaning that if Roe v. Wade is overturned, Mm -hmm. um, that that they'll, uh, you know, revert back to, you know, no abortions allowed. Um, I think eight states already have um, laws, pre, uh, pre-Roe pre laws in effect. I think the only one of those states is Michigan that could kind of uh, say, yeah, you can come kill your kid here. So I think, and then there's states like Texas, Florida, some southern states as well that you could add to that. I think around half of the country, within five to 10, maybe even 15 years after this, half the country could be uh, essentially saying, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a baby. That's essentially. I agree. And then the courts, the court can cop out when, because then later when they want to overturn Roe, it's, it's effectively overturned anyway. Yes. Yep.
Yeah. Uh, and just one more thing as well. On the other side of this, um, the, 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 the pro-life movement, big baby, if you will, big baby, as, as Gaston likes to call it, Gaston mm-hmm. Mooney, one of our monkey mutts here, um, that cannot cease, that, that cannot exist as it currently does anymore. It just cannot. It, it cannot exist in a space where the Supreme Court, as you uh, alluded to, as this, with the Supreme Court, with uh, basically five justices on, on it that should vote the right way, mm-hmm. do not. Exit question. If the state of Roe v. Wade post the Supreme Court ly- ruling were a lyric to Soundgarden's magnum opus, Black Hole Sun, which Black Hole Sun lyric would it be? A, neath the black sky looks dead. Um, in disguises, no one knows. That's B, C, times are gone for honest men. Or D, heaven send hell away. Which one is it, Todd? I'm going with D. I think it works either way. See, I think it's a win either way. I agree with you. Aaron, where you're at? D. D. Chris, what about you? I'll agree with you guys. Yeah. D. Yeah, I, I think I can't speak for people that are, are doing shows and stuff that support the big baby fed sock view of doing things, which is frankly much of most of the biggest stars in our industry. But from the way this show rolls, we win either yep. way, man. I mean, either either we get to watch Roe get its, get its nose broken or we get to watch the rest of these shibboleths we've been railing against our entire show's lifetime broken. I'm going to call that. I'm, I'm celebrating either way the day after this ruling comes out. It's a win for me no matter what it's. I like those. I like the odds where you win either way of the game. I like that. This is what it feels like to be the house in Vegas, right? You just win no matter what the result of the game is. I like those odds. We'll come back. All right. Everyone else is doing it. Why can't we? Zephram Cochran is about to encounter the Vulcans. Will first contact be made? Next. It's, it's been a couple weeks since I've had one of them. I had forgotten how good that cookie dough built bar is dude that is cash money got a brand new flavor out right now i've already ordered it birthday cake oh wow this, now 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 oh, oh no, no, hold on here no i'm just urzen got a pumpkin dace pumpkin spices oh, no, in look on his no. face brother did you see that aaron dot or aaron did you see that no this no it's the opposite i any this is a kobayashi maru i can you i don't know if even built bar can solve birthday cake i don't I, has it ever been done well? Challenge accepted. <laughs> has it ever right. been done, though? I, they're on the way. When one comes in, I'll bring it in. I've not tried them yet. We're going to find out, uh-huh. all right? But when they come in, I will uh, we'll bring one in, and we'll, get to, we'll find out what Todd thinks. And if he doesn't like it, we'll just never mention it again because they're a big promoter of the show, <laughs> and we love Bill Barr. But I'm pretty confident... I've laid I've laid a lot of my uh, my street cred on the line for Bill Barr. I'm pretty confident they're going to stick the landing on this puppy. All right, they always do. They have on every other flavor, all of them covered in real chocolate. They fit into any health um, lifestyle you want to live. Low carb. Um, I mean, most of these bars are three to five carbs. Even the more quote unquote decadent flavors like cookie dough are still at seven carbs or less. You can't do better. Low sugar, low cal, if those are the health markers that you're looking at, whatever they might be, it's the best tasting protein bar you've ever had. It's the healthiest, unofficially anyway, candy bar you've ever tried. And right now you can try it again or for the first time and get 15% off if you use my last name, Dace, as your promo code at BuiltBar.com. Last name, Dace, D-E-A-C-E. That's your promo code for 15% off at BuiltBar.com, especially if you want to try the brand new white chocolate covered birthday cake flavor tell me that doesn't sound good brother hey that um, sounds good i challenge accepted 
Let's get to issue three as we continue with our weekly look at the week that was First Contact. UFOs are back in the news, this time thanks to this feature on last week's episode of 60 Minutes. The news program talked to several aviators, as well as the former director of the Pentagon's secret program investigating unidentified aerial phenomenon, Luis Elizondo. When Elizondo took over in 2010, he focused on the national security implications of unidentified aerial phenomena documented by U.S. service members. Imagine a technology that can do six to seven hundred g-forces that can fly at 13,000 miles an hour, that uh, it can evade radar, and that can fly through air and water and possibly space, and oh, by the way, has no obvious signs of propulsion, no wings, no control surfaces, and yet still can defy the natural effects of Earth's gravity. That's precisely what we're seeing. So on December 27th, gentlemen, a federal law was signed by then-President Trump that included an amendment placed on it by Senator Marco Rubio requiring the intelligence community to release everything, absolutely everything. It could include redactions in that everything, but the source, all source material itself on UFOs all had to be released to the public within 180 days. That deadline is looming on June the 25th. So how much of this UFO talk is about that looming deadline, right? I mean, we mentioned earlier this week, 60 Minutes is coming to the end of its television season. So by the time its television season ends here at the end of this month, um, it'll miss when these revelations come out. So maybe that's the timing or how much of it is just a political distraction or is it something else? And again, Chris, because this is a topic we have discussed on the show at length over the last few months on several occasions. You're the new voice here, so we want you to begin. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it's a combination of this deadline is approaching, and so all the people who are compiling these reports are looking at this stuff and like, oh, wow, that's cool. I'm going to tell a journalist about it. And they're going at there. It's a combination of journalists being interested because the deadline's coming up, and also the people writing the report saying, well, I could probably get my 15 minutes on TV if I go talk about this. Uh, that's what I think why we're talking about it right now. I don't necessarily think it's a political distraction. I think there's so much going on that uh, they don't need it as a, a distraction. Uh, take, for example, the nonsense in the House with Liz Cheney. Um, it is a perfectly sufficient distraction of the media to take people away from looking at how inflation is going up in the economy. And, you know, uh, that and the stuff in the Middle East, which like, is being covered quite frequently. Uh, what's not being covered, of course, is the uh, attacks on American Jews mm -hmm. by people who are pro-Palestine. Mm -hmm. You know, so like, I, I don't think that they need the UFO issue to serve as a distraction. I think they're perfectly confident at finding 10 other stories to do that. So I think it's more in line with uh, the deadline approaching. What's your view of the substance of these stories, Chris? I don't know what to think about it. Uh, I haven't seen the reports. I haven't I've seen the videos. Uh, and I'm thoroughly uneducated about the issue of UFOs. If I had to guess with my uneducated opinion, I'd say this is probably some experimental technology from either the United States government or maybe worse from a foreign government that we're picking up and noticing and uh, recording. Uh, I don't have an explanation for the phenomenon, I, I, but I am alien skeptical. So, Todd, I'm fascinated with that perspective because we have talked about options of what this could be. And that was one of the things that Chris brought up that we've talked about that it could be in the past. One of the things I think is, is when I think about that as an option, though, 
you know, when, the the people that are hardcore skeptical, there's nothing to this because why don't the aliens ever show themselves, right? I mean, uh, it, 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 that just doesn't make any sense. I, okay, I think there's actually something to that. Now, I mean, I don't claim to be an expert on uh, extra extraterrestrial psychology, okay? You know, or uh, but but I but from Yet. a human <laughs> from a human perspective, I can understand why why do we have all these sightings and yet no one ever comes out there and says, "Bring me to your leader." I think there is a, a, at least some logical assumption to make there, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't the same logical assumption applied to if these are experimental? which we've surmised in the, like Chris did, if it's really experimental technology from our enemies, um, why don't they use that against us then? Why haven't they used it? Because these kinds of sightings have been going on and documented for 50, 60, 70 years that we're going to see that when this report comes out. So all this time, the Soviet, the Soviets, so Nikita Khrushchev goes to the UN, pounds his shoe on the lectern, puts nuclear weapons in Cuba. But he has this kind of experimental technology and they never used it. Brezhnev never used it. The Shycoms never use it. Putin never uses it. I don't know. I don't know if I buy that one though either then. Doesn't the same logical fallacy or assumption apply? I think that's a really good point. But I actually think it's as likely as any other scenario that this is them using it. I I, I think this is psychological warfare. I think this hmm. is I think this is Mysterio in Spider-Man and it always has been. It's a it's a mental emotional manipulation. Uh and by again, them you don't mean aliens, you mean no, I mean enemies. Enemies or okay. us or our own go- yeah. say, uh, doing some ver- it's, if, trying to fe- so I definitely don't think it's a distraction. Quite I, this is psyop on top of psyop. I think it's the opposite. I think because the news cycle is so chaotic right now. In the past, as you've mentioned, Steve, like this has been front and center on uh, in the seventies. I mean, they've done primetime yep. shows on Project this. Project Blue Book and but, Mike Mike um, um, Chris uh, Mike Chris yeah. is uh, at, at, at Fox News. Everybody hates that. No Chris one can Wallace. St- Chris, yeah, Mike Wallace was doing right. specials on this in the sixties, as was Walter Cronkite. But now, right. as you've joked about. You know, we, we've actually found aliens and no one can be bothered. Mm-hmm. And I think because they're putting everything they've got out there and and it makes it jives with what you said, the timeline. They, they've seen this is the time now for the next layer of PSYOP. Put, flood the zone with as much as possible because they're collecting data on us as lab rats and how we react to this kind of I thing. I could see like a, a, an extraterrestrial MKUltra, right? That's where Something LSD like was, created by, was created by the CIA and then put in the populace. Yes. This is documented. This isn't a conspiracy theory. It's documented. It, that's where LSD came from. Yes. I was to experiment on the population. But that's why I also don't buy the argument Aaron well this is just DOD and Space Force they need folks we're printing trillions of dollars as we speak they don't they don't need a, a ruse to generate more money no one they get whatever everybody gets right. whatever money they want nowadays that explanation I don't think works either I don't I think they're flying the zone because they don't know what they want but this has always been useful to them for some weird reason and they want to find out how everybody reacts okay Aaron what do you think yeah I, my Interest in terms of this actually being the others or the other kind, whatever you want to call it. As the visitors. The visitors. Um, has waned uh, quite a bit just <laughs> over the last year. I, I don't know precisely, n- neither does anybody else, uh, by definition, unidentified. Doesn't know precisely what that is. I, I'm not sure how I, as a regular person, or really the, the military by their own admission, would be able to... Um, actually verify what they are. 
I do know this for sure. Concrete, flat, uh, concrete. Uh, <laughs> I about combined the, uh, uh, combined the terms uh, concrete, uh, truth with the earth is flat. I don't know why my brain is that like this on, on Fridays, but um, concrete truth. I do know, know this. Whatever it is, it's going to be used to take away your liberty. What liberty you have left. I yeah. just have a hard time believing China has the ability to defy the laws of physics as we know them and propulsion and bring us to our knees. But instead, but instead of instead of doing that, but Mysterio did that, Todd, because he didn't he couldn't do it for real. So are you telling me that that are now that's what saying they're not doing it? That's my point. They're not doing it for real. Now that's to me, be more afraid of that than extraterrestrials. You're telling me our military so terrible. Yes. That they don't know when they don't know when a special effect that that a guy is sitting in a stealth bomber and he watches he watches a circular spherical object do a zero G dive with no obvious propulsion emanating from any form of a wing or a rear engine whatsoever. Pull up on a dime, ascend and then do it again. He watches this. The guy running our most advanced technology sitting in the cockpit sees this and he, he, he doesn't realize it's a special effect. Well, when your military is more uh, concerned with pronouns than anything else these days, yeah, I believe that. Are we at are we in are we at Fox? Uh, are we at Dana Scully territory here? The explanations to not just admit that this is extraterrestrial are becoming crazier than the admission it's extraterrestrial. The hoops we have to jump through, the the razors of Occam we must deny, no. as opposed to just, you know, maybe that crazy Fox that's, Mulder is right. That's if this came out 20 years ago. Look how crazy everything is. Okay. All right. I kind of feel like if we're not in Dana Scully territory, Scully territory, we are getting close. Okay. Chris, you look like you want to say something before we get out. Really quick, go ahead. I'm just like sitting back thinking about how everything is so crazy that we don't know what gender we are and we're talking about aliens and that this is politics. And well, I've been doing shows on aliens most of my career. They've just been of the illegal variety, brother. Uh, <laughs> exit question. True or false? We are the lone intelligent life in the universe. Aaron. True. Todd. We have the lone true. Chris. True. Issue four. Let's 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 have some fun with this. Let's have close encounters of your own kind. You're Richard Dreyfus at the end of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The, the aliens invite you aboard the ship. Would you go? Why or why not, Todd? I think I might have a surprising answer for you. If I was uniquely asked, like for some reason mm-hmm. Todd had to go. Mm-hmm. Yes, but if it was just like you're standing here, you want to go? I would say no. So basically, if the aliens were like, um, we they, we called the jerk store and they're all out of Todd, and so we had to get a live a life a live sample to join the ship, then you're in. Something. It's right? something unique they to re- Grand Torino, they, the Cosmos. Basically, you're yeah, in for they, that. They really have to go. So like, I like the way you handle your rig. You know, <laughs> it, it would have to be meaningful. <laughs> Instead of, instead of live long and prosper, Todd's first words when he boards the ship are, Trucker Glock, who wants it? Yes. Chris, what about you? Go ahead. Do the aliens know what gender they are? Well, they're often portrayed as androgynous, are they not? Yes. Okay, but they're not confused about that? And uh, oh, yeah, As long as you're not confused. Talk to me. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, if they're offering me a ticket off this rock and yes. away from this crazy, and yeah. So I Chris needs to know if you know what a girl is before he trusts that you can violate the laws of, of, of known uh, earthly physics, right? You need to know, hey, what's a girl? I need, to, I need to know if you know what that is first, right? 
Is that what I hear you saying? Yeah. Aaron, what about you? Yeah, I would say if it was just, hey, you want to come with us? Um, as appealing as that would have been maybe three or four years ago, I, I've got a, I've got a wife and a kid on the way, so I'm going to have to pass. <sighs> There's our curmudgeonly millennial showing again. Uh, no level of imagination Do they have whatsoever. sports wagering on Pluto? <laughs> Can I wager on Korean baseball organization? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Let's get to predictions, Todd. Go. Uh, next uh, fall, late fall, there at the Iowa uh, no-mask law is absolutely going to be tested by uh, Western Des Moines suburbs, uh, the Iowa City schools, I mean, the Des Moines inner city schools. They're going to see if there's any teeth on that thing, and they're going to mandate masks because of, you know, res- normal respiratory spikes. You think that's going to happen, do you? I-, I think there's good enough odds it's going to happen that okay. I'm calling my shot. Because okay. remember, they tried this a year ago. Yeah. On you can't open your school or you can't have sports if your school's not open, right? And they got their asses kicked on that. But, but they never learn. They don't learn. Okay. Right now, the level of melt, mental illness in the face of the, uh, this mask okay. Okay. mandate being taken away, and the people just like they, the, the golem, they're totally in golem mode. So yeah, I think it's going to happen. Okay, All right. Aaron, what do you think? So this is related to the UFO conversation we just had. When this report is released. The amount of material that is actually redacted from the from from the report is actually going to make more headlines and more news than whatever's come out to this point. Because when things are redacted, you can guess and read in between the lines mm-hmm. and use your imagination. I, mean, that's and I think a, that's they want a, that. I think that's good money on that, especially because as Chris pointed out, how much of this has been preemptively leaked. Yep. As people are compiling it and find it fascinating. Right. Um, so I, I agree. I think the redactions as we try to connect all the dots are what's going to to get most of the headlines. That's a good call. What about you, Chris? Yeah. So, you know, how they're talking about COVID booster shots already. Right. Uh, I predict that similar to Todd, by this Christmas, we're going to see an attempt to reinstate mask mandates because there's going to be a spike in coronavirus cases and not enough people are getting their booster shots, Steve. I gosh, I really hate showing any level of optimism at all but i i think <laughs> I, I i do um i i think the mask thing is peaked and dying on the vine i i really do uh i think the vaccine thing is the the real battle is what i think that oh, it well. is yeah both and in my yeah. book yeah both and my prediction is the film adaptation to my book a nefarious plot will begin filming in oklahoma Later this summer, that is my, that is my prediction. It's a really specific prediction. It's well, you know, you know me. I don't like to just kind of beat around the bush. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But that that is, it's it's not you know uh, predicting the NFL Hall of Fame game three months out. I leave that to you. Okay, but it, it's, <laughs> those are good predictions. It's the best I could do. Yes. I can't even remember who's playing. <laughs> Chris, it's the Cowboys and the Steelers. I'm actually counting on the days. I can't wait. Chris, good to see you, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Steve. As always, we'll come back. Feedback Friday coming your way with Hour 2 next. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show 
on Twitter. And if you're looking for clips of the show, go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show or youtube.com slash Steve Dace. If you're a podcast listener, we're looking for you to click the subscribe button uh, and then leave us a five-star review, whichever platform you podcast from, if you have not yet done that. By the way, our podcast daily downloads since last July have increased 300%. Our total downloads have increased 444%. Those are, I mean, that's just incredible, the the growth of this program. So thank you to all of you um, that have done that for us by participating and listening to us via the podcast. Thank you. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review if you haven't done those things already. And uh, many thanks to those of you who already have. We'll get to Feedback Friday here in a moment. First, though, I want to warn you again about home title theft. This is where cyber thieves remove you from your home's title so that they can become the new owner. We've been warning you about this for a while in the program, urging you to check out Home Title Lock so that you're prepared in case it does. Well... So many Americans have Facebook accounts, and right now Facebook is trying to repair one of the largest data breaches in, in history. Over 500 million accounts exposed to cyber thieves who now have your personal info, address, name, etc. to claim that they're you when they go online trying to pilfer your home's title. They then forge your signature on a quick claim deed to make it look like you've sold your home to them. They will then liquidate all of your home's equity, stick you with payments, maybe eviction, even foreclosure. Um, you don't want this to happen to you. Thankfully, Home Title Lock can help prevent it. They're offering you 30 free days of protection right now during this high-risk breach. 30 free days of protection when you use the code radio at hometitlelock.com. Again, that's the code radio at hometitlelock.com. All right, who's ready for some Feedback Friday? You bet. All right, let's um, let's get to it, and let's begin with this note from Heidi Krueger. She says, I went to Walmart last Saturday morning, but this Saturday it was different. The air was supercharged, all waiting to see who would dare remove their mask first. A tall, lean, middle-aged man in a Pittsburgh Penguins collared pullover with an expensive haircut stood like a bronzed god, a beacon of strength right in the middle of the produce department. What happened next was organic and cathartic. Almost simultaneously, you heard people saying, I'm done with this crap. I then tore my mask off. A woman came up to me and said, are you vaccinated? I said, hell to the no. She said, me neither. I'm scared of whatever that crap is. Total strangers began mingling in produce like it was a freaking cocktail party, venting and lamenting over the past year's government overreach. Some folks had been vaccinated. Most were not and had zero intention of doing so anytime soon. None were anti-vaxxers, but they were of the watch-and-wait variety. I spoke to a Walmart employee who said Walmart was requiring their employees to get vaccinated or wear a mask forever. She doesn't want the shot, but needs her job. We have to help these people somehow. It's unconstitutional to force them. I'm happy to report, though, that by the end of my shopping day, an hour and a half later, folks were maskless everywhere. The people are done with this, guys. The profanity-laced epitaphs towards our government as newly arrived shoppers saw the welcome mutiny unfolding was energizing. I learned some new words, actually. I came home so happy my husband laughed. Pennsylvania has been the pit of hell this last year, but things are looking up. There are more of us than them. Thank you guys for continuing to lead the rebel yell. The answer is God and us. Thoughts? Uh, are they done or are they done for now? 
Uh, amen. I mean, if this really happened, that you guys had a party in the produce section, um, I'm all in. I uh, love the produce section. It's a great place to have a party, in my estimation. What about the cereal aisle? That might be my choice. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I do have the palate of an 11-year-old boy. Yes. Go the cereal ahead. aisle. Yes. <sighs> By the way, that new blueberry Special K cereal, I highly would recommend. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. I know you yeah. do. Yeah. I know you do. I don't even remember what I was going to say. Oh, is it done or is it done for now? See, right right now, there's been such an avalanche of hypocrisy and doublespeak and nonsense from the medical class, the political class on this. The weather is getting warmer. All of the variables are in our favor. Now, what happens when they change? See, this is the thing. We fell for it. We could have fought back a long time ago. But we didn't. And this is why, whether it's masks or vaccines or whatever, once we roll back into fall and once kids are back in school, if you're not watching the level of crazy by the small army that needs this like a cult and the ones who won most of the last year, whether we outnumber them or not, we've got to stop caving. So we we stop caving now under the best of possible circumstances. What happens when it gets harder? That's my question. Completely agree, but let me say this. That's always been the question. We've always had as much tyranny as we are willing to tolerate, right? Yeah. Now, this is what government by the consent of the governed means. That, you know, it's the, it's the famous Reagan um, observation that free, liberty, freedom, is only just one generation away from evaporating, from disappearing. This has been... Our challenge as a people, every generation we've had to renew this. I think what's just happened in the last few generations is we've had, the last couple especially, have been exceedingly spoiled, prosperously, and therefore complacent. And then on top of that, allowed their children and grandchildren to become completely and totally indoctrinated at the exact same time. All correct. Okay. But... Every other generation of Americans has had to answer the call that you just, the clarion call that you just issued. It's just it wasn't in a Walmart produce aisle. It, it, it might have been on the USS Enterprise in Midway, right? It, it might have been in a tank division in northern mm-hmm. Italy. Um, it it, it, it might have been, um, uh, you know, at the Marne. Yeah. Okay? I mean, uh, or at, at, at Gettysburg. Every other generation of Americans has had to answer this. It's just, I think we have bec- we became so prosperous and therefore so complacent. We bought in, you start buying into it, you start believing your own feces doesn't stink. You start thinking that, well, you know, we don't really have, we're not going to have to. I know. And then you have, yeah. a, you, even when you had a 9-11 and, and uh, you know, our, from the president on down, there was a show of remorse and repentance and redemption and resolve for a week. And then it was, all right, right back to normal. We'll handle the war effort. But there was like no esprit de corps, no home front. Right. To, you know, go, you, like a, we were living like a parallel life and you come home from work, just flip on Fox News to watch the embedded reporters and Baghdad. Right. You, know, you know what I'm saying? It was yeah, like watching a video game. Yes. It's, but it's like we were not participating in this as a civilization in any way, shape or form unless you directly had loved ones that were in harm's way. Right. It, for the rest of us, it was just like a, a made for TV event. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. The difference is between the indoctrination and the complacency we just were not prepared 
preemptively to answer the call. That's one of the reasons why I compared this to Pearl Harbor on our show last year. We got ambushed here. We got caught with our knickers down. And that was another generation that went from World War I to the Roaring Twenties to the Depression. They had so many issues domestically. They got they got ambushed as well by the Japs, right? Yeah. And they they believed they could just now the Hitler would just be the would be the Europeans' problem and just leave that over there. That's they even a generation that would have been old enough to remember at least or its parents or grandparents remembered World War One and and were just got out of the Depression. They were complacent too. Now their complacent came complacency came from a different place than ours. Their complacency came from weariness because they had just fought the war to end all wars because they had just, uh, they were just coming out of beating back a depression that threatened their way of life on an existential mm -hmm. level. The idea of going right into now another existential cataclysmic event, human nature is going to say, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I got a standing eight count here. There's only so much I can take, right? right? So you can excuse that generation being ambushed at Pearl Harbor. They had been through already two extraordinary events to get through. We just um, were just hanging out watching NFL Sunday Ticket, bro. So, so I the question to to further your question now is because you're asking the right one is do we now is that vigor renewed? Do we understand we cannot let our guard down? That's one of the points I was trying to make with my rant on Monday. Do not settle for this. Okay. You keep you keep going until all the people of Canaan are dead. Until all of their women, you hear the lament all their all their soldiers are dead. You hear the lamentations of all their women and all of their idols are smelt and do not stop until that occurs. Did the Israelites do that? No. no. And they paid a, a, a multi-thousand-year penalty for that, correct? Yes. Keep, go to the end. Finish the job. Um, otherwise, they will be back. You're yeah. right. All I'm trying to do is reset, and I, I realize I haven't said it in a while, reset uh, my untouchables, Sean Connery. What are you prepared to do? You. Right now, you. Doesn't mean, though, don't enjoy this. Take the win. Absolutely. Celebrate all victories, man. But the season ain't over yet. Okay? Uh, Carl writes, now that you've dealt with beta males, I think it's time to give suggestions to men on how to get their wives and girlfriends to follow suit when it comes to challenging society, specifically in the case of the masquerade. But this would be a general principle, even if you're in a place where the masquerade is largely over. Like, with, some, with the exception of some pockets, the masquerade is largely over in Iowa. I've been mostly maskless for the last several months, but I can't get the missus to follow my lead. And giving a, giving a woman more loving is not going to be the same incentive. Um, a, a more loving response, I think he means, is not going to be the same incentive as a man. So here is my answer to this, and then I would love to know what you two think, okay? It took me years to learn this now here's the thing though while i've said over the years all men are the same they're all motivated by the same things what's the game what are the rules how do i win who's keeping score right all men are the same what's what's fascinating about women is they're all the same and different at the exact same time meaning that the the fundamentals of their of their nature might be the same but the way that that 
there's much more diversity in the way that that works itself out in each individual female I found compared to guys, right? Um, so that is my caveat that this could just be unique to my situation, what I'm about to say. But it took me years to learn this. And here's what I learned. The better I am, and, and one of the reasons it took me a long time to learn this is because it put the onus actually back on me. And I'm a son of Adam and I don't like that. I, I want someone else to be accountable and to blame. Okay. But the better and longer I exhibit servant leadership, the more likely she is to stand with me when I take a stand. The longer and more likely I am to exhibit servant leadership, to sacrifice, do sacrificial leadership in the areas that are important for her to see my level of investment in this relationship. The more likely she is to stand with me when I take a stand. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, but I think you nailed it at the beginning with the the individual circumstance. I mean, I can't tell you how much different my wife is from me in terms of temperament. Uh, just the, the exact, the, yeah, burning building, fight anybody, you know, and she's like, I, yet she agreed to marry me and uh, is, is still there. You know, I have a level of gratitude just for that, that... Uh, I have no business simply defining all the terms on when she is ready. She's she's absolutely has no difference of opinion. I mean, in terms of the science, the ethics of all this stuff. But in terms of uh, the grocery store, you know, months ago when when she decided it was, and now you know the the masks have been off with her and were off well in advance of whatever any political entity. Uh, said, but her timing of, okay, if I take it off, what is the likelihood of me being confronted? What am I willing to do about that? That's different. I see it in my four daughters. I happen to have one daughter. She's just my sensitive soul. She's in no way afraid of getting the virus, but she, you can tell right now and going back to school this week, she's uh, worn it uh, a little bit in certain situations, she said, because I'm just trying to navigate how this is going. And it, so, Steve, you nailed it in terms of the specifics of the uh, situation, I don't, I can't, I can't give a, a across the board answer to any relationship. I, I just can't stress this to the guys enough. Headship in God's economy, as human beings, we see it as a as authority. In God's economy, it primarily signifies responsibility. Your authority stems from your responsibility, not your responsibility from your authority. And that's what servant leadership means. So, I mean, the first thing that there, and that means, by the way, the initiative almost always falls to us. That's part of the responsibility. So have you taken initiative on the things around the house that you are, that you are expected to do? Have you taken initiative around um, being involved in and contributing to the children the way that you are expected to do? Have you taken initiative in, in and around prov, uh, being a provider the way that you are expected to do? All right. So with responsibility, that's what that's what headship means in God's economy. Is 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 your headship requires a higher level of responsibility, and meeting those responsibilities 
So when I said your authority comes from responsibility, not responsibility from your authority, meeting those responsibilities are then what will compel people, the people around you that you are to lead to follow your leadership, right? For and this, by the way, is how it works with God as father. What's the number one reason people give for why they don't want to follow God? Why do bad things happen to good people? I wouldn't trust a God who allows blank. They're questioning the goodness of God. They're basically saying God hasn't lived up to his responsibilities. Therefore, I don't know that I can trust his authority. Authority comes from meeting responsibilities. That's where it comes from. It's an inverted paradigm. People see you do what is required of you to the best of your abilities. Take the initiative to do that. And then they and then we know that's the one to follow. That's the leader there. That's the one. Jesus did not immediately set foot on earth and immediately proclaim himself Messiah. In fact, the first time that he ever addresses the issue is in the Gospel of Luke. He attends synagogue. They hand him a scroll from the book of Isaiah. We don't know from the story if if this was the specific reading he was asked to read. We don't know. He just unrolls it and begins reading from the 61st chapter of Isaiah, where Isaiah describes the ministry of the Messiah. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And he starts listing things the Messiah will do. Free the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. All right, just starts listing them off. And then he goes about and does it. He does his responsibilities. He fulfills his responsibilities as Messiah. And people are like, you know, I think that, I think that guy might be the Messiah because he's doing the stuff the Messiah does. Do the stuff a husband and father is supposed to do. And then everybody around you is going to be more inclined to look at you and say, well, I think that's kind of our dad and we should probably follow his lead. He kind of seems to know what's up. Meet your responsibilities first. Okay, Steve, I'm doing that and I still can't get her to follow. Well, here's where it, I, I, here's, you know, life is hard. So you know what the answer is? Uh, just keep doing it. Jesus kept doing Messiah things. People still kept, some people, a lot, majority of them even still kept rejecting him even while watching him do them. What did he do? Just kept doing them. Just do them anyway. I, I'm, you're not under, you don't get, you and I, 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 it took me a long time to learn this. I'm not allowed to not fulfill my responsibilities because the people around me aren't fulfilling theirs. That's not the way it works. I'm still called to fulfill my responsibility to persevere, to finish the race. And then the longer I'm inclined to do that, the more the people around me are inclined to notice. So my answer to you would be first and foremost, are you Carl and anybody else with this struggle? Can you look in the mirror? Have you sat down with one or two of your buddies where you're, the guys you're really truly honest with that, that are permitted to say, call BS on you? Or maybe even your own father. And if they called you to account and said, dude, are you doing what you need to do? Could you look them in the eye and say yes? Not sure? Well, then make sure you meet that threshold first and then we'll talk later. The answer is yes. Then, well, here's the, here's the, 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 uh, the, the responsibility angle again. Just keep doing it then. It took me a long time to learn this because it's a tough lesson to learn. We want to pass the buck. We want someone else to be responsible for our actions. 
Put the fixation and focus on meeting your responsibilities. That's how God's economy works. Meet your responsibilities and the people that are, you are called to lead will notice and be more inclined to then follow. Chris writes, I'm a teacher and a coach in a middle school in Omaha. I coach football, girls basketball, and boys basketball. Currently, I am the only teacher that doesn't wear a mask at our school's track meets because they are outside and I am the starter. At least that is my excuse if questioned about it, which no one has questioned. I decided to take a stand going into next year. I have notified my AD that I will not coach next year if we are required to wear masks. I have notified another coach in the building who has joined me. That means our school will have to fill two football positions, a wrestling position, and two basketball positions. That's no easy task in a middle school nowadays. The money loss will be a bite to the budget, but I will pick up a part-time job if I need to. I can't lose my teaching job over the mask, but I can sacrifice something, like coaching, even though I love it. I'd like to call on more middle and high school coaches to notify their AD or principal that they will not be back next year if masks are required for their sport. There is power in numbers. Bam. Yeah. That's what that's the perfect follow-up to the conversation we just had. We've asked, where are the men? This is what a man does. So look what he sacrificed. The thing that he actually likes to do. Why can't he lose his teaching job? I'm guessing he's got to provide for people. But he realized in order to change this, I've got to sacrifice something. So I'm going to sacrifice what I actually like to do. The part of this that actually is fun, that I get the most, the most recharge, boost, connection with. I'm going to sacrifice that. What is a man? A man is someone who does the right thing even when they don't want to because he loves the people he's doing it for more than himself. That is a man. What is a male? Someone with a penis that they were born with. That's a male. What is a man? A man is someone who does the right thing even when they don't want to because they love the people they're doing it for more than themselves. That is a man. We have a lack of men. But here's the thing. Here's the good news. A little bit of leaven ruins the whole batch, but infects it the other way too. Jesus warned us what happens when the leaders go bad, right? What happens when the leaders are good? Think Chris and this other coach are the only two coaches that realize the mass thing's a scam? I guarantee you they're not, particularly in Nebraska. Someone's just waiting for someone else to lead to do something. And everyone else is like, I, I'll never forget there was a bully in, in a middle school, in my middle school named Bud. Bud was his name. Had been held back a couple times. He was like three times our size. And he'd walk up to you in the hallway, shove his shoulder into you, knock you back. I'm, I was deathly afraid of Bud. And then one day, uh, a friend of mine named Jason laid Bud out for doing it to him. And I'll never forget Bud laying there crying. I mean, Bud was like 14, 15. We're 12, 13, you know? He looked like a grown-ass man to us, okay? Bud's just laying there. Jason was like the first kid to get like a mustache or something that approached that, I remember. 
And he just took Bud down right there in the hallway. Bud sitting there crying. And everyone else then looked at the rest of the guys. We all just kind of looked at each other and said, what the bleep are we afraid of this guy for? And then He's a man. Yeah, then, He's not a machine. That's right. And then everybody goes, we had to actually like get kids off of Bud because a bunch of other kids were like, dude, he could go. I'm, I'm getting my shot in now. Someone took the lead. Someone took the lead and everyone else was like, yeah, man, why am I taking this from this dweeb? I mean, who's this punk? Bud had to like leave the school, move on. For like the first semester of middle school, Bud was a met public menace. Like you, it, it was like a scene out of, oh, what are those middle school movies um, my kids loved? Uh, Rules for Roderick. You know what I'm thinking of? I can't I'm remember. Sorry. Okay. But it's, it was like a scene out of that where you would like plot your way around Jackson Park Junior High. How do I get around Bud? Okay. Uh, try to time it that you knew when Bud was coming out of class. I mean, Bud eventually had to leave and everything else because Bud had been dethroned, found out there's no there, there. There's nothing there. Nothing there. This Bud's for you now. Take a drink. Everybody took a sip of Bud. Everybody took, took, open up a can on Bud. Frankly, that's what everybody kind of did. Bud had to leave. Just a few men take some leadership and there's going to be other guys that are fighters, but they're not leaders. And that's okay. Not everyone can be a great leader. But there's going to be a, a, another group, a narrow, another layer of guys are going to be like, you know what? Yeah, bleep that, man. We're not doing that. Bleep. We're not doing it. Get that out of here. We're with you. But lead. But leadership requires sacrifice. What are you prepared to lose? Just to put a spin on what Todd often asks from the untouchables. Not just what are you prepared to do, what are you prepared to lose? Because in any poker game, whether it's a literal one at a table or it's one playing out on a, in, in, on a culture war landscape, whoever is the least afraid of losing what they came to the table with is going to win every single time. Every time. Any thoughts on that? No, I'm with you. I mean, we've got really good answers about bottom lining things uh, today. We're, we're nothing simplistic, no Hallmark cards right now. I mean, you you got to get down uh, to the essence of things and be uh, unapologetic. Steve's been saying it his whole career, close hand, open hand. If you don't know what's in your close hand, just get get out of the way. Yeah, that I, I can't really put it put it much better than that go look back at uh some of the biblical genealogies and you pretty quickly and i just bring that up i mean you can i guess think about it independent of that i just bring that up just because it hits you the fastest how short of time we have on this planet especially when you have things at stake when you have uh, skin in the game when you have a family to provide for love for care when you put it into an eternal perspective, things start to come into view really quickly about what's really important. What's really important. For the previous emailer, he decided, you know what? Football coaching, really like. It's not really important. So I'm willing. I'm willing to let that go, even though I really like it. The things that are really important in life are often the hardest to do mm -hmm. and to do consistently. But they're also the simplest more often than not things that are simply or simple like standing up for what you believe in taking a stand at all really simple to do not easy to do though 
and applaud uh, applaud the, the dude from Nebraska, the coach who said, you know what, these are my terms, um, take them or leave them. Thanks very much. Goodbye. I like the way he listed what he and this other coach do because that's, again, what we talked about earlier this week. You have to make the system feel more pain for doing this to you than the pain it receives um, uh, when it imposes itself on you. That's the only way it makes it, makes it stop. They have to count the cost too. Chris is itemizing, this, this is all you'll have to do to replace me. It's like that scene in The Dark Knight where the guy comes in to Lucius Fox's office and nails the fact that Bruce Wayne is Batman. He licks him and says, let me get this straight. You are convinced that your boss, one of the richest, most powerful men in the world, is spending his nights beating the worst criminal scum in this city with his bare hands and your plan is to blackmail him? Good luck, okay? That's what you. That's the attitude you need to have. Hey, I, if you can replace these four jobs yep. for a mask, good luck to you, but that's what you're going to have to do. Well, if we've learned anything in this past year, we have learned we have a sick care system, not a health care system. Uh, as our colleague Daniel Horowitz says in his podcast, we should have been sending people uh, vitamin D, um, exercise regimens, encouragements to go outside, get into the sunlight, uh, to, to boost their natural immunity against this pandemic. We didn't do any of those things. Instead, we told them to stay indoors, breathe the recycled air, which is the primary way the virus is spread. Uh, Netflix and chill, so put on weight, don't be active, because about 80% of those hospitalized with COVID in America were categorized as obese, right? We did all the wrong things because we started from assumptions of dealing with sickness as opposed to promoting health. One could cynically say promoting there's not nearly as much money in promoting health as there is in treating sickness. I mean, if you wanted to be like really cynical, right? Yep. But we don't want to do that. However, we do believe in promoting health here on the show. And that's why we have partners like Brickhouse Nutrition. Uh, you can improve your health, boost energy, and support a healthy heart in just two minutes a day with Field of Greens. Uh, this is part of my daily regimen. You mix it in with any water-based drink. And you get up to 18 clinically researched essential fruits and vegetables, real USDA organic fruits and vegetables as well. Uh, and that's far more than the average American gets in a day or sadly longer. If you want to give this a shot right now, use the promo code Steve to get 15% off of your first order at BrickHouseSteve.com. They've got multiple flavors of Field of Greens now. they got the original greens. They've got a wild berry, uh, lemon lime. That's the one I'm drinking right now. Any any water-based drink, mix it in. I mean, if you've got a particular um, you know drink that you like with the drink packets in the water bottle, you can mix this in with that too if you would like to do that. BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. 15% off your first order at checkout. With the promo code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com. All right, let's get back to some feedback Friday. This is from Mindy White who says, I have a serious question. During these times when the world feels like a constant spiritual battle, surrounded by lies, manipulation, and so much division, how as Christians can we not lose our joy? I'm seriously feeling so angry. So, I, Mindy, um, I could ask myself this question. I've, I've talked on this show several times in the last few weeks how this has been a struggle for me. I've referenced the amount of bile I've, I've swallowed for the last year. And that's with me having an outlet. 
I mean, I, I've, I've had a daily outlet to push back on this, to fight this, to influence to some degree. It, it could be nascent. It could be of magnitude. Whoever knows. But it's of something. I, I, can, I have some outlet I've had every day for the last 15 months to come in here and, and channel some of that bile where it belongs. And I'm still struggling with it. I, I don't know what those of you that have lived in places like Pennsylvania and Illinois, I don't know how you've handled it. I know I should give you some hyper-spiritual answer, and I would if I were a pastor or a theologian, somebody holier and more pious. Sadly, I'm not. Thankfully, we have men like that that can give you more hyper-spiritual answers to this. I will just tell you that what I have needed are outlets. Playing MLB The Show at 11 o'clock last night. Um watching all the Marvel movies in a row again with my son. Escapes. Um, mini Sabbaths, basically, to unplug and get away from this. Yet the struggle is real. Even with those little mini Sabbaths and an, out, uh, an outlet where I'm, I'm paid well to channel this bile and anger... I still struggle with it as well. So maybe the first step is to find constructive targets for that anger so that you use it for righteous indignation and don't sin with it. Take that anger and have it mobilize and energize you into activism. Spew the bile and take it out on the spirit of the age that has done this to you. Take it out on them. Take it out on that. You guys have any tips or tricks where this is concerned? What's your favorite Sam Kennison line? Move where the food yes. is. Yes. Uh, yeah. You need to, a lot of people who feel like you, I, 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 and I can't speak for you specifically, but generally speaking, have had a relatively passive approach to this. Just they're, they're watching it be talked about by the so-called experts whether it's the political class the pundit class what have you and we you you're, you're setting yourself up to ultimately feel victimized or out of control because you've set up this paradigm where it's always somebody else even though you're with them yeah but you've chosen your champion you now as much as ever need to choose yourself as your champion you need to move where the food is in whatever way you need to to pick the fights that need to be picked Again, whatever that is, local government, school boards, moving out of your state to a different state. It, you can't just be a passive receptor of circumstances that's going to eat you up. It would do it. It would do it to me. It would do it to Steve. Uh, and there's really no alternative. And the simple truth of the matter, there really never was. That's why we're here. Mm. This whole oh, listen, we've got great, great, great jobs. Our our jobs ultimately beyond paying our bills are a lesson in futility if it doesn't mobilize you you are the champion you are we the people you must fight and if you fight you will win yeah that's extraordinarily well said listen um there are always outlets always outlets some of them are of the productive variety and some of them are of the um 
you know, uh, trivial variety. Trivial variety is just letting off some steam, not having, not, not having to think about the world. A Sabbath, uh, a place that you go to of, of, of uh, essentially letting your mind have a Sabbath as well. And then there are productive outlets, um, whether that's in your church, uh, whether that's uh, there's starting if you don't have a um, a women's shelter for those moms with unexpected pregnancies in your area, start one. That's that's a good way. Uh, that's always a good way. You're you're doing something huge when you do that or volunteer. There's always opportunities. That's a great point to serve um, others. Yeah. yeah, there's always opportunities um, to 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 let off some of that steam. There are productive ways to do it. And then they are unproductive. And the unproductive ways are, are not wrong either. In fact, I think they can serve some good for you and, and others as well. But there's, there's always ways. This is from uh, James Perkins, who says, I've been a Rush listener for years. He will never be replaced. But I was pleasantly surprised to tune into your show and quickly feel I have found a home here. It was easy since I'm already a Blaze subscriber and I just kept the Blaze Radio Network on after Glenn. I love that you guys give no quarter towards the spirit of the age that is dominating everything and everyone's perspective on the culture. Particularly the life issue comes to mind since this topic was the true nail in the coffin for what was the hopes of a prospering free nation that ends in humanity's lust to sacrifice their children to pagan idols. These past couple of weeks have been uplifting listening to your show as you guys have been taking this topic and others head on. I'm extremely passionate about that issue. I've been confident in the past whenever confronted with a debate on it. One aspect of the argument that gets an opponent off guard when confronting someone that is actually trying to have an open conversation is the information angle. When the life or the existence of an actual human being in the womb is in question, I refer to information. I tell them that I can understand if you are a materialist or a Darwinian evolutionist that you may think we are just composed of matter or molecules. But we are not just made up of matter. We are also information. Information is independent of matter. For example, I can print a number one best-selling book like Fauci and Bargain on fine silk, or I can print it on toilet paper using different color ink. The matter has changed, but the information has not. The same rings true with us as we are made up of trillions of cells with the exact same information, our DNA, throughout all of them. And information implies design. Thanks again for your true diligence in the fight. I'm always eagerly waiting what you guys have to say on your show. You guys, as you guys are as good at what Pat Gray says, making the apocalypse fun. Um, I loved that epistemological um, Socratic method that he applied there on the life issue. I yeah, love oh, that. It's fantastic. The only, as well as the kind words, by the way. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Yes. The, o- yeah. the only suggestion I would be make in terms of employing that in the future is if you you don't even have to go as far as to say information implies design specifically because you need you can, but you also need to be prepared for what I think is at least a legitimate comeback to that. Uh, is design inherently good? A good conversation. But if you just say design implies something other than material, mm-hmm. you, you aren't you aren't per- possibly putting yourself in another corner. The corner is all theirs. You're just saying, is there another? And if you get them to at least acknowledge that, 
you basically have like um what's his face um Richard Dawkins on aliens you know mm-hmm. that's so this is about how Steve uh, earlier on the show today talked about making sure you're having the right argument regarding Foucher or anything else listen you seem like a guy that's more than capable than answering the question but since people may take this and run with it you just have to okay if you say it implies design you yourself it's incumbent upon you you need to defend that specificity you can also make the same point to get the same win with a more broad uh, it, it implies something else other than material, which is the win you need to get first. Yeah, in, in the uh, the emailer already, I would assume, ha- has taken this into account yes. based on that epistemological, well, what I'm about to say, into account ba- based on the just incredible epistemological uh, case there on their life issue. But, you know, ultimately... Heart and mind change is of the of the Holy Spirit as well. There's nothing nastier or mean about that that uh, th- that uh, case study right there. The nothing at all. That's not what I'm saying. But he, ultimately, I mean, our best our best arguments, our best reasons for the hope that w- are, that's within us. Um, ultimately, those are not what's going to change people's mind. The Holy Spirit is going to do that as well. Mike Brinson says, as things appear to be getting back to normal, I find myself struggling with people. Don't get me wrong. I've been waiting for this for a while, but I notice I'm gnashing my teeth when I hear friends, family, and people from church saying things like, I'm so thankful they're letting us take these masks off if we're vaccinated. It drives me crazy because it makes me think of huge swaths of Americans sitting inside, fixated on their TVs, waiting for the government to tell them what they can do today, even though most of the studies confirming these policy lifts have been out for a long time. Either something has happened in my heart where I'm struggling to listen to these people dance and rejoice or something has fully changed in the American psyche to where we're constantly just awaiting orders from our elected officials and their political appointees or both. I know I should have grace, but man, it's hard. First of all, Mike, grace is always hard. But secondly, you are struggling with this because of their psyche, meaning that they are the, the stimuli here, all right? Because you've been red-pilled. Now, you know that this is a clown show and and, and you're realizing that the people around me are the ones that let them subject this to me by falling for the canard. Here's the, now, this is where grace is, the, is difficult, though. Such as once were some of us. And, I mean, in the New Testament, Paul is railing against a wayward church. And he lists... Liars, thieves, fornicators, homosexuals. This goes down this list. None of these people are inheriting the kingdom of God. But then he says, but such as once were some of you. Meaning everybody on everybody I'm talking to has been somebody on this list at some point. Until grace intervened. That's why it's key for us to know who are the sheep and who are the wolves. Save your bile for the wolves. Mercy triumphs over judgment for the sheep. Sheep don't know. Wolves don't want to know. Feed the sheep. Shoot the wolves. I find it helps me to be much more patient with the sheep when I'm really good at shooting wolves. I just take it out on them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I just take a deep breath and it's like, okay, Fire up the guns and roses. I can do a little patience right now. I'm good. But shoot the wolves. Shoot the wolves, but feed the sheep. Remember the movie, Await Further Instructions? Yeah. 
We did a conversation about that on Pop Culture Tuesday a few years ago. Oh, yeah. That Netflix film. Yeah. Has that not turned out to be prophetic, guys, that film? Yeah. And we talked about that last year. Did we bring it up last year? Mm -hmm. Because reading Mike's email made me think of that movie yet again. Yeah. Um, There's a reoccurring theme here that's come up in the last few minutes. Target your, your frustration and anger. One of the ways we don't sin in our anger is we target the response at those worthy of it and don't take it out on those who are not. Take it out on those worthy of it. Take it out on those who have produced that. Because they're, they're, they're imposing that on the sheep around you too. Now the sheep just don't realize this yet. That's why they're sheep. But they're doing this to the sheep around you as well. Take it out on the wolves. That is, my wife actually wonders, like, why do I not seem more bothered long term? Like, I, in the moment when I have to do so, if 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 they need, if somebody needs to see me mad, elevated voice, whatever, whatever the situation calls for, it I will employ it. But I can I can put it all aside, mm-hmm. and it speaks to what you're saying. It's because. It's not, I'm not, I'm not in any way out of control. It's not about, it is about justice that must be served. And yes. I'm simply, I'm simply a tool in all of this, but I don't, pray, I, and, th- and then I move on with my life. And, and because I filled that role, I feel peace. It's little Lucy when she says to Mr. Beaver and the line, the witch in the wardrobe, when he's about to take them to see Aslan for the first time. Yes. Oh yes. This and is little good. Lucy says, is Aslan safe? And Mr. Beaver says, right. oh No. He is a roaring lion after all. He is not safe, but he is good. That is a key distinction. Okay? You don't, don't worry about being safe. Worry about being good. And to those that want to do bad to others around you, they should see you as very unsafe. Very unsafe. They should see you as, we won't get away with this with him around. Can't stress the correctness okay. of what you just said enough. And that's how we avoid, you know, early in my career, I got a challenge from a, from a guy who, a group of guys who went on to be my accountability partners early on. And they listened to my show and said, you know, Steve, you're the guy that walk that, that follows the, the perp into the crowded mall and just starts shooting buckshot at everybody. And yeah, you eventually kill the perp, but then look at all the collateral damage you cause and wonder why you're not the hero. I had to learn that lesson. Yeah. Okay, feed the sheep, shoot the wolves. That's how, how, what does it mean to be, to be safe and to be unsafe, but good? Feed the sheep and shoot the wolves. Have a good weekend. We'll see you again on Monday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.